This is Supernatural Selection on DeviantBehaviorRadio.com, hosted by Kevin the Bastard. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of Supernatural Selection. I am Kevin the Bastard. With me again is Mike the Skeptic. How you doing today, Mike? Fine, although I'm questioning the pose the cat was just making. Oh, yeah? It's cat. like some weird yoga thing. I've never seen a cat do that before. I think it's aliens. A- aliens. So, speaking of aliens... Last week, we talked about an anonymous schlub with a fascination for aliens and UFOs. And this week, we're going to talk about a semi-famous schlub with a a fascination for UFOs. Mike, tell me, what do you know about Mr. Bob Lazar? Well, I saw enough unsolved mysteries in all the other 90s and early 2000s show to know of him. Okay. That he was supposedly worked at Area 51 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was basically, you couldn't kick a supernatural show without seeing him on there. Yeah, or at least mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was everywhere. He, he literally was, it, if you didn't grow up in the 80s during the heyday of the alien military industrial complex conspiracy theory thing that spawned the X-Files... Bob Lazar was the closest thing they had to a star. Because this dude was, like Mike said, literally everywhere. Kind of like how the, the, the big hair dude is today, but, you know. Oh, yeah, Zalakis or whatever his yeah. name is on Ancient Aliens. Or was, you know, what, ten, eight years ago. I Yeah, I don't. I, we don't have cable, so we don't know if the show's even still going. But, you know, the Aliens meme guy. So, first off, I just want to talk about his name for a second before we really go into attacking his character. <laughs> Which, here's... here. Let me, let me start off by saying I really want to believe Bob Lazar. You know? I wish this was true. Because this is, like, the most awesome freaking alien thing ever. Dude says he worked at Area 51 uh, reverse engineering alien technology. The problem, it's Bob Lazar. Look, watching him like as a teenager, he didn't pass the sniff test. Yeah, no, he definitely came off as like a dog turd. It well, no, it's like it just it just smelled like bullshit. I mean, it's like if he knew all this stuff, why would the government let him? You know, how's he not dead? <clears throat> exactly, or what you're saying. you know, silenced. Yeah, exactly. Well, all so, he says is true. You'd think they would have like, I don't know. Did something. Shoot him into space. Let the aliens take him. Something. If any yeah. of this was real. So, here's the deal. First off, Bob Lazar. The name. It's like one letter off. Laser. Yeah, it's like it's like if <laughs> this were not his real name, it's like he's sitting there, what would be a cool name to give to the public? Laser. Bob Laser. No, that's too bullshit. How about Lazar? It sounds French. Sounds like it's from like a Star Trek villain. He really does. He sounds like he should be <clears> like <throat> you know Spock's intellectual equal, but Spock's human side helps him to uh, outwit the purely logical Bob Lazar. I want to write that now. <laughs> God damn it! Fuck that would be. That sounds like a classic episode of Nick of uh, Star Trek. Like okay, let's talk about him a little bit. Like just as a person, the impression we get from the old interviews. Why is this guy a prick? I mean, well, obviously he's privy to all the mis- mysteries and answers of the universe. I think my problem is that he's so fucking smug about it. Like, yes, yeah. I've seen the secrets. They're all out there. I don't know why they haven't killed me, but I've seen everything. and I've seen it all. But, like... It just, he's so fucking bored of the whole thing, you know? It's like, yeah, I saw the ships, I got to touch one, whatever. I just want to sell illegal nuclear material. Okay. We'll get into that. So, for those of you that don't know, Bob Lazar is an alleged 
I say alleged because there's some questions about his uh, background. Nuclear physicist uh, that worked, that went to like MIT and all these other colleges. He allegedly worked at the Los Alamos testing rounds before being recruited to go and work at Area 51 and then from there to S-4, which is allegedly a secret mountain base where they kept all the UFOs. And Bob was responsible for reverse engineering what he referred to as the sports model. The sleek UFO on all the posters. He said there were posters up in S-4 of the sport model hovering off the ground that said, they're here. And I'm like, that's a little on the nose. So, I'm a bit of a tech person. Right. I don't have, like, in-depth knowledge. I'm, like, a not an electrical engineer or something. But I, I read a lot of tech articles and stuff. Right. And I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express one night. <laughs> but, so, I've seen just, I've seen articles about people finding, like, 70s tech and reverse engineering it and they still can't be a hundred percent certain that they completely understand you know what's going on in like a you know early well an early no an early microprocessor or something okay sure so something that's as advanced as an alien you know spacecraft that has to have oodles it probably like its processing power has to eclipse like the whole processing power of the earth at the time trying to decipher the intricacies of that is like even if it's real it's this herculean task that i don't think any one person could wrap their brain around let alone uh, well, you know he's on a team but yeah, well, yeah no but i totally get alone, that it's i mean it's it's just especially when it's our Technology trying to reverse engineer. It's a Herculean task, let alone something that's so well in advance of us and made by a species that may, you know, think differently than us. Yeah, completely different set of logic. Yeah. Like if you were to reverse engineer human, you know, technology, you know for a fact that, you know, it's going to be binary based. Mm-hmm. Like ones and zeros. Ones and zeros. It's probably going to run on a base 10 or base, well, base 8, you know. Something along those lines, yeah. So, who knows? They, who knows what the aliens would use? Yeah. They could use, you know, trinary logic, which, you know, has three states. Yeah, like one, zero, one, and two. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's fair. Well, let me, let me tell you some stuff about a sport model. From the little bit Bob explained in his early interviews with Mr. George Knapp, which is a subject we're going to get into because that motherfucker got his bread and butter off of this. This is how he got his name in the UFO field. The ship, the sport model, runs on a gravity drive. Yeah. Powered by element 115, which, when exposed to radiation, generates... Massive amounts of anti-gravity. Okay, the, the home viewer can't tell that I'm just Mike, sitting here blinking and rubbing my Mike, nose bridge because... Seriously, it looks like he has a massive headache now. Because an element of that high... I mean, I'm assuming that's a periodic table number, 115. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's actually <clears throat> Mosconium. So something that high wouldn't need to be exposed to radiation. It would just be radiating the fuck out of everything. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Uh, element 115 has a half-life of 0.65 seconds. So that means it's highly radioactive. Yeah, no, this is like uh, so. sit near it and you've got a second penis, maybe. But you have to expose or it cancer. to more radiation. To generate the anti-gravity waves. And then the propulsion system is in no way physically connected to the navigation system. Think about that for a minute. Or any of the other systems. All of them, like, I guess it was Wi-Fi? I don't know. I I don't really understand how any of that stuff works. I mean, sure. I mean, there are instances where you don't want a physical link between, you know... 
elements. I could I could kind of see that. Okay. Yeah. But you still, still have to have something <clears throat> sending power, and the power system is not connected to the propulsion system, which. Well, that. I mean, I know we're working on ways to like beam energy. Well, I mean, wirelessly. So I mean, so his description says that it basically runs on whatever creates the radiation for the. I have no idea that was not mentioned in the interview. But the gravity part. Well, what it what? Let me explain. The gravity drive. What they're saying from the little bit I've been able to gather from people trying to explain it to each other that believe is that it creates gravity in front of it that pulls the ship forward like it's falling mm-hmm. at ever increasing speeds. Yeah. It also causes the ship to wobble. Like it's dangling from a string. And is that its main form of interstellar propulsion? Yes. Well, then that is still limited to relativistic speeds. Isn't it, though? Because he does not mention any form of, like, Albuquerque Drive-style space Mm-mm. warping. There's no space warping. There's no wormholes. There's none of that stuff. So that's the science of how the sport model works. And Mike's doing air quotes, air quotes. because the, quote, science. Uh, but again, element 115, big key part to the story because he has said on multiple occasions that when he left uh, his job at Area 51 and for some reason they didn't shoot him in the fucking head, mm-hmm. he stole some 115. But it was only 115 for like a second. Well, that's the thing. He says, oh, it lasts for ages, and it, it's really powerful, super dense, heavy element. I'm like, no. Wait, but but no, that's not how it, half-lifes work. No, no, it isn't. During the production of a recent documentary, which if you have Did Netflix... Did you say how much you took? A little bit. Just an itty-bitty say bit. Say 500 grams. You keep sure. talking. I'll okay, so there's a documentary on Netflix that I highly recommend you check out that will give you a good idea of Bob Lazar. It's by a fellow, can't remember his name, but uh, he has invented his own form of jiu-jitsu called quantum jiu-jitsu. So that tells you everything you know about our film, you need to know about our filmmaker. Anyway, during the production of this documentary, his business, which sells radioactive material to the common man via a website was right yeah no there's a link on the side with a picture of einstein says want uranium click here well it's not illegal to sell i mean i can go on amazon and buy it but okay but there is like standards you have to yeah you probably was violating those that you know shipping standards he, he handles Highly dangerous material and sends it through the U.S. mail. His business during the production of this documentary was raided by the FBI, which him and the filmmakers say, well, this is obviously part of a long-standing deal where they've been monitoring him and this is a raid to get back the Element 115. You go and look at the documents, and it turns out that someone bought a chemical from him about seven years ago killed his wife with it Mm. and they raided to get his computers to get files on this dude to prove that That that's where yeah you know so Bob is not implicated in the murder and the fact that they raided it means he just basically ignored subpoenas yeah exactly I mean they probably he's probably been subpoenaed multiple times and he just like ignored it which you know that's that's a thing yeah so but again not implicated. Yeah. I'm sure he was saying some crap about my customer's privacy, blah, blah, blah. So what'd you say the half-life of that stuff was? It's like 0.65 seconds. Less than a second. Okay, wow, that's really quick. We can mm-hmm. continue. So let's talk a little bit about his education, shall we? Because that's like part of the mystique is... And this is interesting. This is like actually legit interesting. This isn't like, oh, what a load of crap like we've been talking about. You know, he claims he went to all these schools and worked at all these places. And, of course, George Knapp, being the reporter that he is, you know, he's an award-winning reporter from Las Vegas News Station. You know, he's not... Yeah. I, he, he's good at what he does. 
All right, let's just get that out there. He was a damn good reporter. He does his due diligence and researches Bob Lazar's background, and he can't find anything on the guy. Like, he calls all these schools, are like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I've never heard of this guy before. Calls his former workplaces, like, I, I have no idea who you're talking about. Los Alamos, he calls, and they say, we have no record of a Bob Lazar working here. But he gets a hold of a phone directory from the time Bob says he worked at Los Alamos, Mike. Yeah. And Bob is listed in the phone directory. Yeah. And he calls back, says, I found him listed. Can you tell me about his work history there? And they say, we told you he did not work here. Was he the janitor or something? No, 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 no. He's listed as a scientist, like a nuclear physicist, or what have you. Yeah. That's the interesting part of the whole thing, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, they're saying he didn't work there. There's concrete proof that, yes, he did work at Los Alamos. Did they erase his existence from the other places and just miss that phone directory? Which, we'll get into my theories on that later but like that is probably the most interesting thing about this entire scenario bob did work at los alamos they said he didn't yeah okay well maybe he was disgraced maybe he you know he left for a reason they don't want to talk about yeah i know it's just weird to me that it happened like that thing is and this this is a major thing mike is Watching all these documentaries and interviews with him, like I said, you know, I talked about how he comes off. He just kind of comes off as an asshole. And I really want this to be true, but, like, I just wish it was somebody else. Yeah. Couldn't have happened to a worse guy. Seriously. Oh, and, and by the way, the the half-life of Mosconium, well, the, the however much, let's say he took, like, 500 grams, half a kilogram of it, mm-hmm. it would have decayed in, like, less than five seconds. Like, it would have turned into, you know, the next element. All of it would have decayed by. Yeah. And that's, you know, emitting, emitting horrible amounts of radiation. Oh, yeah, like, no. This, like, this is something that's more radioactive than uranium or plutonium. Maybe it gave him, like... <clears throat> or mere, even americium. Maybe it gave him brain worms, and that's why he hasn't updated his glasses in, like, 40 mm-hmm. years. Because, like, if you see those, him today... Those BCGs, man. BGCs? BCGs. BCGs? Birth control glasses. Oh, right. The milita- Yeah, mm-hmm. no. No, they're not like black friend. They're like the well, big yeah. ones that like drop down. Like well, yeah, every, but they're still like grandma's glasses. Pretty much any ugly, ugly glasses are BCGs. Yeah. Well, he's apparently got a wife, but like, how? How much did he pay for her from Russia? Oh, yeah. uh, how? I come cook for That's you. How do you say cucumber? That's another angle. If he was legit. Russia would have, like, black... What, what's the term when they just grab you out of nowhere and, like, stick you in a hole and pump you for secrets? And uh, like a black... I don't know what the term bag? is. Black bag? Probably, uh, where they put the black bag over your head? Maybe. Probably. <clears throat> they would have had snatched him so fast off the streets. Well, yeah, no, they totally would have. That's the other thing, is, like, what, what does he gain from this? Uh, well... Actually, you know what? You remember, like, during the week when we were talking about this, we were yeah. trying to figure out what's he gained from this. All right. He says that he came forward with this information because this is, like, the most important thing to ever happen in human history, having alien spacecraft. Which, if it were true... Yeah. It is. So, if he is telling the truth, either they're just keeping that shit under the tightest wraps possible because we've not seen hide nor hair of this even in I mean fuck even uh you know all the you know stealth crap has come to light and yeah and all that was tested <clears throat> at Area 51 yeah yeah I mean pretty much everything you know that at the time had been you know in Area 51 has pretty much come to light yeah and there's something to be said about we saw some of the most you know serious crap going on you know it wasn't oh. a world war no, but still, I mean, like, even in the 80s, there was still the, what if they nuke us? Yeah. We were still living in the aftermath of the Cold War right up till Glasnost and the fall of the Berlin Wall. I mean, you think 
they would have used some of this by now if it was, you know, something we had in our back pocket. Oh, God, yeah, no. I mean, like, hell, do you think 9-11 would have happened? Or do you think we would have, like... They might have let it happen. Oh, we're not even getting into that. I don't even want to talk about conspiracy theories. They don't want to talk about jet fuel and steel beams? I really want to keep this to, (laughs) like, the impossible... Oh, yeah. Impossible. Not the possible impossible. Point is, big if true, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though, all right? Everybody's interested at the time in Area 51 anyway because that's where the SR-71 Blackbird was. It's where the stealth bomber was. It's where all the skunk work shit is going on. And they were working on the Star Wars program out there at the time. So, what's a good way to make the public think, Oh, well, that's just full of shit. Let's say, hypothetically, you pick out this guy. You recruit him. Not terribly likable. You know, he's an alright guy, but, you know, you recruit him to work on some stuff. So you take him out in the middle of the fucking desert, and you give him a PDF. I'm sorry, this is the 80s. You give him just a printed out document with all this shit about UFOs, right? Yeah. And then, you take him through a hangar with what looks like a UFO. And, you're, and you tell him specifically, this is something that he said happened. We're, we got to take you through the hangar to get to such and such. You were to look straight ahead and not look at any of the crafts you see in this hangar. Thereby ensuring that he only gets a peripheral view, right? Yeah, but he's still going to be like, what the hell's over there? Oh my god, it's a UFO! They didn't really want him to see that. They would have put a bag over his head. Exactly. So, they walk him through this garage full of fucking UFOs to go to the boss's office. And then the they boss couldn't him... have just come to him if it was that. Exactly. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah. So, and the thing is, I'm not saying that Bob Ross is a disabled... Bob Ross. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, my what God. What a Freudian slip that was. Wow, Fuck me, I'd rather be talking about Bob Ross right now. But I'm not saying Bob Lazar is a... Um, Bob Laser. Bob Laser is... I'm not saying Bob Laser is a uh, knowing disinformation agent. And the other thing is, after they show him these UFOs, and, you know, they may have looked at his psychological profile going, well, this motherfucker's a whistleblower. Yeah. So he goes in the media and tells them, and then like, okay, 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 here's the best part. We delete all of his credentials and just make him look like a nut, but leave just enough doubt to where people think maybe they set him up as a different disinformation agent thinking there are aliens and spacecraft and all this stuff, and then let him run out in the world to do his thing. That's all well and good except for one problem. What's that problem, Mike? The U.S. government's too incompetent to do that. God! God damn it, Mike! We couldn't cover up the Iran-Contra affair. We couldn't keep that under wraps, and that was just some, you know, boring-ass gun smuggling. Then what... Is the deal? What's he get? Because here's the thing. Do you have a book deal left? I mean, for that? No, no. After his initial <laughs> flurry of interviews, he went underground, dude. He maybe he, maybe, he, maybe com- was the 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 use the. Buzz. He didn't make any money. His whole <clears throat> source of income. Get is his name. His, get, huh? get his name out there for his you know, radioactive substance company. Possible, but. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, nowhere on the website does it mention Bob Lazar, and nowhere on the website does it mention UFO nutcase okay. Bob Lazar. Well, then he's just a attention-seeking nut job. Why you gotta make this easy, Mike? That's what I do. Well, let's talk about George Knapp for a minute, because he has just as much to do with this as Bob himself. All right, so George Knapp... Here's the fun thing. When he first gets out to uh, Las Vegas, George Knapp starts off as a cab driver, which you got to talk to people when you're a cab driver, so that makes sense. He ends up getting a job as an intern at the local PBS station, like your local public broadcasting station. Does really well, and he's so personable, they're like, hey, why don't you do some reporting? 
you know, we'll we'll up you to that. And he does so well, he gets a job at one of the local big three. I hate to say this, I don't remember which one. Now, I need to explain that boys and girls, boys and girls, way back when, we had three TV stations and public broadcasting. There was ABC, CBS, and NBC. It was before Fox. And sometimes you had local turners. Yeah, okay, there's TBS and what have you. But anyway, the point is, he was working for one of the big three because they had news coverage. Yeah. And he became very good at what he did. He covered a lot of, like, he did a lot of investigative journalism. He won awards. He has won Peabody Awards for his investigative journalism, you know? Mm -hmm. He's not, as we come to call some of these people, a nutter, you know? At least it didn't start that way. No. He covered, like, the mob, corruption in Las Vegas, really important stuff. And th- But he did have an interest in UFOs, which, no harm in that. I obviously haven't. And look at me. I'm parlaying it into this. And you're wearing a UFO shirt. Too. I am, in fact, wearing an alien abduction shirt. The one I got the one that I could wear out in public that doesn't say, get in, loser, we're doing butt stuff. You could wear that, that out in public all the I, time. Yeah, but I couldn't wear it to work. Mm, Nick thanked me for not getting ah. that one. <laughs> Which, hi, Nick, if you're out there listening right now. Nap is a credible news reporter. That's the point I'm trying to get across. Then this Lazar thing happens. Bob Lazar approaches him on the sole condition of anonymity. And he goes by the name Dennis in his first backlit, shadowy interview. And Bob has said that that was an inside joke because that was his boss's name at Area 51. And after that first interview aired, he got a phone call saying, what did you do? Do you have any idea what we could do to you? And Bob says, no. And he just <laughs> hangs up on him. Which, right. there's something to be said for ignorance. Yeah. Like, you know what I could do to you? No. God damn it, click. Is how I picture it. It's like, that guy can't threaten him. He's an idiot. <laughs> but George, then after Bob decides he's going to go public with his name and everything... Uh, George Milks this. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily because it's his career and he's like, oh, I've got like what could be the biggest story of the century. He figures I got another Watergate on my hands. Yeah, exactly. And he does. It, go look up George Knapp. I feel like, uh, what's his name? Infowars guy. Oh, uh, yeah. Alex Jones yeah, wants to say, hey, what are you going to do? You're going to look up... Uh, George Knapp, uh, uh, Bob Lazar interview. Sorry. Gay that, frogs. Gay friend turning the frogs gay with UFOs. So, anyway, Bob goes on to continue working in the paranormal because he's so good at it. He broke the Skinwalker Ranch story. If you've never heard of that, I highly recommend you look it up. <clears throat> it's really interesting. We're and talk about that one day. We are, because I think I know where that story came from. And I really don't know the specifics. Oh, it's insane. I probably will remember once you start telling oh me. Oh my god, Mike. It's UFOs, Bigfoot, Wolfmen, Giant Wolves, Orbs, Cattle Mutilations, Exploding Greasy Dogs. Okay, Mike's acting <laughs> like he's trying to leave. And I think I may have just hyped everyone up for that episode. That's going to be a... Chumming the waters there. I need to get, like, we're going to need, like, three hosts for that one (laughs) to cover all this shit. So, anyway, George has moved on into the world of the paranormal, like, whole hog. He, I don't know if he still is, but for a long while, he was hosting... Sunday nights every other Sunday on Coast to Coast AM. The reputable clearinghouse for <laughs> all things paranormal. If you need colloidal silver or tactical flashlights, then by God, Coast to Coast is going to sell them to you. About some MREs. MR- oh, yeah. No, totally. MREs, all that fun stuff. Fish vitamins. Fish, fish oh, of drugs. Fish antibiotics. drugs. Antibiotics, yes. Hell yeah. So, you know, it... it <sighs> And I can't hate George about it. 
He's I mean, made a career out of this, and he I mean, went into this he's, earnestly. He's believing. easy to explain. He he's a, he's a journalist that wants to make a career. He, he wanted to you know make his name, make his career, and it dovetailed into his interest in UFOs. So, yeah. So so that when you have two crazies that kind of dovetail together. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't really call George crazy. I'd just call him jumping in with both feet into one of his interests and making money at it. Well, have I you mean, seen his house? He's got like a freaking indoor pool, dude. I'm, I call him a crazy. I call anybody that wholeheartedly believes it crazy because they're not you, Ginger. But uh, <laughs> sorry, we've got a cat with us. But because they're just obviously not looking at it critically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I tried to do some research into his family, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit. He has kept his family, very, Bob Lazar's family, mm-hmm. very much under the radar. So he's obviously like, I don't want my family involved in this. I don't want to ruin their lives. Because as I said last week, this shit will ruin your life. So he's kept his wife and children out of it. But it's it's I'm not gonna so, lie. <clears throat> the interviews are really interesting. So another you brought up something earlier mm-hmm. and uh when you're talking about, you know, the government and you know, Area fifty one and skunk works and all that, is that another problem with his story is the government really doesn't do much for itself. No, it's like all contractors. Out. Oh yeah. <clears throat> like we don't the government doesn't build anything. No, it's all like Lockheed Martin and and all these I mean, other companies. We do companies. some fundamental research, like, but outside of like, you know, that's what the Los Alamos National Labs is for. I mean, it's a it's a pure research thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime, Which is where he was. Yeah. Anytime Los Alamos comes up with something that needs to be built, contractors, no matter how top secret it is, there's this whole industry. Of top secret contracting. That's why, yeah, the Skunk Works is the yeah. is <clears throat> like lock Skunk Works, which and I used the term earlier, but the Skunk Works is actually a Lockheed Martin thing. Yeah, it's you know? just their it's it's their highly secretive government centric yeah I mean, development well, program. They're, they they're lately within the okay they you know they started out as basically just the Blackbird projects and stuff like that, but lately they've become their own research segment within Lockheed Martin. Like they published some stuff, you know, a couple of years ago about a uh, fusion reactor design right. from Skunk Works. So there's all kinds of stuff, but having a few, knowing a few people that have gone through the top secret, or at least not even top secret, but gone through security clearances for the government as contractors. I keep forgetting you know these some people. Put it to you this way: There's, it is so rigorous, especially nowadays, that you know they they look at like your credit, and if really? you owe too much money, you can't get certain clearances because they feel it can be used as leverage against you, or or you'd steal something. Well, well, you you just become a higher risk for you know selling secrets. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Like if you're. Uh, you know, way upside down on your house, you're in danger of losing your house. You know, not, some, you're not going to get some, that shit. Some you're operative gonna... from a foreign operator comes up to you and says, hey, we'll give you $100,000 if you steal these plans. Yeah, why don't you be like, oh, okay, fine. Otherwise, I'm losing my house. Yeah, no. My kids it, will hate me. Totally makes sense. So, you know, the, the security clearances are, you know, no joke. Yeah. So, here's the thing about Lazar that I really want to stress is he has really tried to leave this behind since the Knapp interviews. Yeah. He left the UFO world, but, you know, the UFO world wouldn't leave him. Like, he is still a, like, people still bring him up. He's recently come out of the woodwork, like he did a Joe Rogan interview with the maker of his documentary. And well, yeah, I mean, when you the documentary, when you drop bombs like that, you can't expect to just walk away. Well, the good news, the funny thing is, he did for like <clears throat> God, 20, 30 years, he did walk away. And the question, but they never, is, you know, but like you said, they nobody stopped talking about him. He just, oh God, no, he, he dropped a massive talking. bomb. So, <clears throat> I guess the question is, seriously, since he's never written a book. He's never had a book deal. 
he didn't even want to do the documentary at first until the dude that made the documentary who was like a a self-proclaimed disciple of George Knapp yeah and Bob and George were friends you know they became friends but he hasn't talked to George in decades Mm -hmm. and that's how the dude got his in was he was like George I'm a friend of George's I just want to tell your story and he said yeah fine fine it'll shut you up and maybe get everybody fucking done for a while let's do it what is he getting out of it Mike because it's it's not even attention at this point because he doesn't want the attention so so being kind of reductive and logical like I can be about these things so it seems like he did work at Los Alamos Yes. Maybe maybe he had like a mental break there. I and mean, maybe he was in a, a higher security clearance section. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was listed there, but there was some deniability about, you know, and maybe just something happened. Maybe he had a break there or some psychi- psychological break, mm-hmm. like on site <clears throat> that had to be just disavowed. You know, maybe, who knows? It could be many things. It could be, you know, so actual... You're saying- he had a psychotic break (laughs) Mm -hmm. and believed he saw UFOs yeah and being you know the Los Alamos since it seems like he was actually there what if he was at Area 51 it could have been I mean because I mean there's no there's no saying that he wasn't at Area 51 doing work didn't he talk in some of his early interviews about the uh Oh, what's the name of that that airline company that flies people in? He did. Uh, he Jane talked, Air. Yeah, he talked about Jane Air. He talked about landing uh, at Area 51 and then being mm-hmm. bussed out to S4 in buses that either had no windows or blacked out windows. So he probably did work at Area 51. Yeah. But he probably just something probably happened to where they had like, okay... You know, you're done. Yeah. I just, I don't. Maybe he got like a massive dose of weird radiation that scrambled his brain. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. We've talked about Area 51 a little bit here, but like one of the things I've seen is a lot of times if you look at satellite footage, they will have like huge chemical burns. I don't mean like people, I mean they will have like big ass pits full of chemical containers and burn them. What if you got a big lung full of, like, crazy gas? Yeah. And maybe that's what it was. Because, as I said, oh, my God, I want this to be real. I want this to be real so bad. I can taste it. I want there to be UFOs with little gray dudes in them going, beep, boop, please come here. Me want to stick metal thing up your pooper. You, you want them to abduct you and stick metal things up your pooper? Not me, but other people. Remember, I'm over 40. They're not coming for me. According to Throwaway Alien. But if, what if they uh, change and they want to study the older population? Hell yeah, man. Milk my prostate. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Excuse me. This is like talking to a 90-year-old man. Just yeah. you start laughing and you cough. Yeah. But my point is, I want this to be true. God damn it. I just wish it wasn't him. And the thing... Here's the other thing. Like... I waffle on Bob Lazar sometimes, you know? Yeah. There's, like, the part of me that rationally goes, there's no goddamn way this dude worked at Area 51 and saw UFOs. Yeah. But he's just enough of an asshole for me to be like, they would have gotten somebody with more of a, a, what's it, a cult of personality to Uh, come out, like a friendly dude. I don't know. I mean, he's... You know, some of your best, you know, smartest scientists are pricks. And and not even necessarily pricks because, you know... Elon Musk. uh, Come on, man. He's not likable. Well, no. I'm saying, you know, calling him... I mean, he's a smart dude. Don't get me wrong. No, Elon Musk is a brilliant man, but... I wouldn't call him brilliant, though. He's a smart man, but I would throw a brick at him if he was in a parade. He definitely has too much engineer logic to him at times. He reminds me <clears> of <throat> Notch, the creator of Minecraft, in a way. They're, so they're both just under-socialized. 
Oh yeah, just rich, <clears throat> rich pricks that don't need to be on Twitter. Yeah, but no, um, it's like the the one person I know that uh, I'll name names, but you know him too. We used to play City of Heroes together in yes. Lincoln, uh, Washington. He worked for uh, an aerospace company doing a chip design, and from all from all accounts, I hear he was you know great at it, but he was a giant prick. Oh my god, just massive <clears throat> fucking douche nozzle. Like, like we're playing City of Heroes, and I moved, and I had to move somewhere, and I didn't have internet. And, and you were in a shit financial situation. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't have the money to, you know, stand up internet on my own, wherever yeah. it was. And this was a time when even... <clears throat> you know, Everybody was on fucking like, dial-up Most people were DSL. still on dial-up, and yeah. And getting, you know, something better than dial-up was, you know, Experience. a major uh, cost... So what did he you, you heard okay, him say? Okay, so we're playing <laughs> City of Heroes, and this dude goes, "Well, where's Mike?" And I was like, "Well, Mike doesn't have internet, so he can't play." And he's like, "Well, Mike needs to get his priorities straight." Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> "You mean like not food?" <laughs> yeah, this is the same dude that like when his child was born went on a raid on City of Heroes because it was scheduled. Yeah. Instead of spending time with his wife and child. And and, and the, the great news is, though, at least his wife is of the same mindset. Oh, yeah, she was like, no, go do the raid. Yeah. So, at she, least... Because she does that. the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But, so, yeah, so I can see that kind of, you know, smart but prick mindset. I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I mean, it's definitely comes down to poor socializing. it comes paired sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. And more often than not, I would say. Yeah. Or maybe just as often as not. Yeah. And, it's, and it never really is truly ego so much as it's just poor social, social skills. skills. Again, possibly on the spectrum. Yeah. Watching stuff about Bob Lazar. I could see him being on the spectrum because what's he doing now? He's selling fucking uranium. <laughs> What do you do? What do you do when you got done being a fucking professional physicist for the government? Fucking sells uranium and shit and poison without a thought for the social ramifications without of it. Without any thought of wrongdoing did he, did from he, the purchasers. Did he see Back to the Future? Did he not think Libyans were going to buy it? He, you know, he seems like the kind of guy that would sell <clears> a bomb <throat> made out of pinball machine parts. No, no, he seems like the kind of person that would sell nuclear material to Libyans without thinking about the you're, ramifications. You're right. He really does. At least Doc Brown was like, yeah, I'm going to milk these Libyan pastors for what they've got. And here's the other thing. Here's like a final question for the episode. Mm -hmm. Does he really want to leave it all behind? Would he have let himself be dragged back in? I think, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to see the the stuff because I haven't seen the documentary. I have kept you intentionally blind on this so that you would have an outsider's viewpoint. But, but I I do highly recommend Mike check out the documentary Lazar, Bob Lazar on Netflix. Just check it out a little bit. See what the dude's about. See the raid stuff. You I know. mean, my thoughts, you know, just just in, from what I've basically heard, and we've pretty much gone over everything I've ever heard about the guy. It seems like maybe he realized partway through that it might not have happened the way he thinks it did and so he just kind of clammed up about it I had not thought of that and And he's like maybe that wasn't maybe that was just the shrooms I did that night I don't think it was a shrooms (laughs) thing I think maybe it was like a maybe I shouldn't have worked three shifts in a row while listening to the Grateful Dead and being exposed to high doses of uh ionizing radiation shit tons of radiation like maybe he's got a dick on his back maybe they, they open him up and he's just full of tumors just fucking chock full of tumors <clears throat> like fucking meatballs and spaghetti I mean that's just kind of what it sounds like I mean you think if he truly believed that he would have been beating that drum and, yeah, but and know, if the government had gotten to him if it had been the government thing like they shut him up he would have stayed shut up then. I, he would have disappeared. Yeah. He would have been in the witness re, uh, protection program living somewhere in fucking Wyoming as, raising as, emus. As Steve Johnson. No, no Dick Radar. 
Dick Rick. Oh my god, that's fucking brilliant. Dick Radar may be the best thing I've heard tonight. But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, you're all right because the thing is about the UFO phenomenon. Obviously, just from you knowing me, once this shit literally touches you in any way, you're got. You yeah. never leave it behind. How long have we known each other? Too long. I've been into this since way before I met you. And I'm still into it. And I'm still screaming about the aliens. Even though I'm I'm more rational now than I ever was before. But I still want to believe. You know? Yeah. Because goddammit, I've seen some shit. I've seen some shit that I can't explain. And... I've got my own theories now about it. I don't really believe in the the concept of nuts and bolts UFOs. Yeah. I firmly believe that a higher dimensional plane overlapping ours and causing some bizarre Looney Tunes-esque environment is actually way more probable than breaking the light speed barrier. Um, hate to break it to Look, you. <laughs> let's not let's not get into that now, okay? That's for another day. And you're never going to dissuade me, alright? God damn it, Mike. Look, this is just shit like if I have to explain the stuff that I'm reading about, this is what I use to explain it, okay? I would just use it use that I don't have enough information to explain it to but it's explain also just, it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I've noticed about people in UFOs. Let me rephrase that. Into UFOs. People in UFOs are little gray dudes, but people into UFOs, we grasp for an explanation. Like, we gotta have something. Minus all evidence. How do you think this whole thing about the grays and the reptilians and the guys from fucking uh, all these other planets you know the the whole thing about the insectoids and the greys and the reptilians and the draco reptilians and all that crazy shit some guy saw what was probably a fucking airplane and just filled all of it in with lizard people yeah I think I'm being fairly rational compared to that yeah. Okay, I'm just saying. So, anyway, I think that's our show for the week. Uh, I want to, again, thank everybody for the overwhelmingly positive response to this show. It has really gone above and beyond what I thought it was going to be. And I know I'm excited to do the show. Mike is excited to do the show. Okay, Mike looks dead <laughs> inside right now. But Mike seems to be having fun doing the show. And uh, we've got some news about the show that I'd like to share before we leave. Uh, We have a website now. You can go to uh, supernaturalselectionpod.com and you can find links to where you can subscribe on Spotify, iTunes. You can find it on podcasts.com. You can donate, which... Would be fantastic. You know, I'm not going to turn down money. Uh, We don't have a lot of costs at the moment, but we would love to upgrade equipment to something that is not just Audacity running on my computer with a Yeti. Yeah. You know? Um, We also are now on social media. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, Our handle is Supernatural... No, it's SupernatPod. At SupernatPod. Supernatural Light Pod, got it. Yeah, no, Supernatural Tide Pod. No, uh, Super Nat Pod. And you can find us, just look for Supernatural Selection uh, and podcasts on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. I'm not too concerned about the Facebook page because Facebook, but it is a tool. Everybody and their mother is literally on Facebook, so if you're so inclined, please stop by and like us on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter. If you have any thoughts, you can contact me at my new email address, that 
bastage at supernaturalselectionpod.com. There is actually a contact link on the website because that is a mouthful. I totally get it. I was going to say, if you have the domain, can't you just route that bastard to it too? That bastage? That bastard. I I don't know. I'm only allowed like one email address. Okay. So it's and I went with Bastage because I didn't think Squarespace would be cool with that bastard. Probably would. Probably would. I don't know. Anyway, point is you can find us on the website. So that just All, makes just ingrains into you that it's not bastard, it's bastage bastage, A G E? A G E. Okay. Bastage is from uh Johnny Dangerously. Yeah. You fucking bastage. But yeah, go to uh, supernaturalselectionpod.com. You can find all the contact information, all the subscription information, the donate link, all that fun stuff is on there. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a five-star review and let us know what you think. If you want to leave a one-star review, just don't even freaking leave one. What's the point in leaving a one-star review? You're just being a contrarian dick. So, um, Mike, you got anything you want to plug or talk about real quick before we go? I don't have any irons in the fire, so... Okay, well, that's cool. We are also planning another podcast in the future that is not related to this, where we just get really fucking hammered and talk about some stupid stuff. Yeah, we're not stuff. very hammered this week, so no, probably what, a little more coherent. Well, the f- we are. The funny thing is, I've actually had more to drink this week than last week, and somehow I am, like, holding my shit together. You ate some stuff. I did eat some stuff, and that helps. Oh. I mean, you know, at least we didn't record Sunday when we got back from the fucking party, because holy crap, we had... Yeah. Anyway, y'all that don't need to know this. That time didn't exist. No. Nope, that's that, missing time right That there. is missing. That's what happens, is you get drunk, and you wake up, and your butthole hurts, you think it's aliens... But it's actually that Kevin, dude you know. Kevin, you want you want a tip for podcast success? What's that? And since she's right here, you need to put pictures of the cat up on the website. I will put some pictures of the cat up on the website. I will start the blog page, and we'll get pictures of pretty little ginger up there. So again, thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the rest of DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. Our producer and benefactor and the impetus for this whole thing starting. So until next week, everybody stay frosty and we will see you then. So good night, everybody. Bye. Supernatural Selection has been a production of DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. You can find it and more shows broadcast weekly at DeviantBehaviorRadio.com. Our theme music is Screensaver by Kevin McLeod. It is used through Creative Commons license, and more of his music can be found at incompetech.filmmusic.io.